If you've ever thought of quilting your own projects but just don't know where to start, I have the perfect first steps for you. I've put together a PDF guide. I call it Three Steps Toward Freehand Freedom. These are the baby steps, but they can help you move past your overwhelm and show you that yes indeed, freehand quilting can be learned. So if you'd like to snag this PDF, there's a link in the show notes, or if you're an Instagram user, just message me three steps. That's the number three, S-T-E-P-S, and I'll send you that link. Let today be the day you get started. Welcome to Measure Twice, Cut Once, the podcast about life and business lessons from a quilter's point of view. I grew up making quilts alongside my mom in the traditional methods, cutting with scissors, using cardboard templates, sewing without the benefit of squaring up in any way, and then of course, hand quilting. Fast forward a few years and these days, I can be found behind my long arm, Lucy, either quilting or teaching the art of quilting entirely freehand. Quilting has become my livelihood and it is still my joy. Measure Twice, Cut Once will bring you stories from my experience, lessons learned, and crafting journeys from other makers as well. Are you an entrepreneur and know you need to communicate with your people that writing emails is just so laborious? I get it. The blank screen mental block is real. I use Flowdesk as the email service provider in my own business. It offers a truly elegant support system. Their email templates are beautifully designed and ready for you to personalize with your colors and logo. Are you sending newsletters, sales and specials, new offerings? Easy peasy. Just choose the template for the job and plug in your own details. So much of the writing has been done for you, so it's a much simpler matter to just fine tune it to be in your own voice. No more staring at the screen. And honestly, Flowdesk is more than just an email service provider. They offer segmentation for organizing your contacts, landing pages for new offerings, workflows to automate tasks, and they recently added an optional checkout page for e-commerce sales, seamlessly integrated to your existing email list. And what's even better, there are no pricing tiers based on how many contacts you have, so the price never goes up. For a limited time, you can get Flowdesk on your team for only $19.99 per month using the coupon link I've attached in the show notes. It's the best virtual assistant ever. All right, on to pins and needles with a quick tip for all you sharp quilters out there. Here's a great way to promote what you offer. Collect some photos of some of your favorite projects and upload them to your favorite place to print photos. With them, create a card using the photos in a collage style. Then you can sign and send these cards as a personal greeting. It's a really great way to thank past customers for their business and remind them of what you have to offer. I first met Dixie Tui on Instagram. And of course, because it wasn't in person, I pronounced her name incorrectly. And so you'll hear that when I introduce her in a moment. Dixie's quilting photos so intrigued me because I feel like she has a recognizable style that I could pick out of a lineup. And so I began following her. 
And then, of course, came the photos of the St. Bernard dogs and the fresh bread, and I was hooked. So let's welcome her now. Dixie, welcome to the studio. I'm so glad you could join me. I'm so glad to be here. Dixie Thu is a fellow quilter, and I follow her on Instagram, and I just I love her style. That's what first drew me to her pictures and into becoming a follower. So we're going to talk as we go on um, about our, our journeys. We're both quilters for ourselves and other people. But I would love to hear a bit more of your story first. So let's talk first about what got you into quilting or crafting, and then we'll talk about some of the other fun things that go on in your life, too. Uh, my mother... My mother is a crafter. She's into, she was always, when we were kids, just doing something. Um, I think I remember, well, in later in life, I remember her saying if we didn't have something to show for our day, it was a wasted day. Oh, boy. So <laughs> we quilted as kids. We sewed as kids. We did tri-cam and embroidery work and just about every, paper toll. I don't know if you remember that with I silicone. Do. Yeah, there was just everything that we did. So, and it it included all of us. My even my dad sometimes would get into it too. Too in the evenings, like uh, cutting out uh, blocks. Somebody would trace. Somebody would cut. Somebody would iron. Mom would sew. So it was yeah. We just had lots of family stuff, and that's where I learned sewing. I love yeah. that. So were you were you a garment sewer too, or was quilting kind of the, the family affair? Um, I didn't actually get my own sewing machine until our daughter was probably one or two. And I went and bought a sewing machine, and I started to sew whatever I wanted to sew. And my mom sewed everything, but I never sewed and never read a pattern. She was always there to read the pattern. So it was just, okay, do this. Okay, now you do this. But I never read it myself until I left home and was 500 miles away. And I had to do it myself or it wouldn't, I couldn't do it. So, yeah, I learned a lot by watching, but then I learned by doing. Yeah. So did you, did you find that reading a pattern, particularly as it relates to garment sewing, is a whole separate skill, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I find if you... Do one step at a time. You can look at a pattern that's so overwhelming. Just do one step at a time. Just, just, and figure that out. And then they all just seem to, it fits in like a puzzle. It all works. I, I agree. I mean, there's wisdom in, you know, like with a recipe, you read over the whole thing. So you sort of have a big picture view of where you're going. And there's wisdom in that. But I completely agree with you with sewing garments and with quilting. When it does yeah. feel overwhelming, only do the next thing. Only think about that. And yeah. then the thing after it, and then you'll see how it fits yeah. together, just like you said. Yeah. And I've done uh, semi-seats, recovered semi-seats, and snowmobile seats, and quad seats. And yeah, I've done a lot of stuff. Oh, my goodness. Uh, upholstery, sewing, garment, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And probably mending fits in there, too, because, of oh, course, yeah. <laughs> you are, you're, a, you're a ranching family, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of that. And that's what I... I really don't like, I don't like the mending part at all. And alterations, when the kids are small, I used to do, because I was at home, the kids, and I wanted to be at home, I did all alterations and I did things, wedding dresses and bridesmaid dresses and whatnot. But yeah, it was never fun, fun. I, I could do it, but it wasn't, 
it wasn't my bag. Like I just, I did it cause I, I could help out that way. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. is, has quilting become your thing and you do that for fun? Well, it's, it's, I never have to not work another day in my life because I absolutely am addicted and love it. And my mom there again, my mom got a long arm. <laughs> she got a machine. I can't remember what year, but it hung from the basement ceiling and it was a, it was a custom or a, a industrial machine and the three bars hung from the ceiling in the basement on chains. So you wrap the top, the, the quilt top around one, the batting around the other and the bottom. And then you, she swung this frame and rolled it across the basement underneath the foot of the industrial machine and made a pattern. So it was very, yeah, it was, it was very primitive. And then she got, uh, she got her, I think she had an APQS. And then after that, she got a gamel and she talked me into getting a bit gamel after we built our house. Yeah. Like they've always said, necessity is the mother of invention. But I think that's just amazing that someone would figure out, you know, from very simple um, supplies, how to build an apparatus for making quilting easier. You know, for my mom, she was a hand quilter. So I had a very inventive brother. So he was forever working out you know, more efficient ways to have a quilting frame that you could, for example, pull up to the ceiling and get it out of the way. But oh, yeah. that in, that inventiveness is so, um, like I grew up kind of pioneerish, like I think you did. So that was yeah. just part of our life was finding a way. Yeah. Yeah. Making it work. Somehow we can make this work. We can do it. <laughs> a little bit of chewing gum, a little bit of baling wire and you're good to go. <laughs> Duct tape. <laughs> Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so I have exactly. To, I have to ask, because I hear the Canadian in your voice, where are you, where did you grow up maybe, and where are you living now? I was born in Bidette, Minnesota, and it was right across the border, right across the border is Rainy River, Ontario. So my parents lived in Rainy River, Ontario. The hospital was in Bidette, Minnesota, so <laughs> there, and there's a river between the two towns and they would go across everybody in the town went across to have their babies. And so that's where I come from is rainy river, Ontario, but I have dual citizenship because I was born in the States. And so now we live, my husband and I live in Northern Manitoba in Bozeman, Manitoba. So we're what? 226 miles from the border, the um, North Dakota border. Okay. Got it. That is pretty far north. And mm-hmm. to be distinguished from Bozeman, Montana, too, right? Yes. I don't know if it's and spelled the same way. but No, it's not. It's with an S and a Z. But believe me, I've had that issue. <laughs> I bet you have. Yes. Yeah. I grew up in a little town called Fort St. John, and it used to get confused with St. John's, New Brunswick, which is on the, you know, eastern side of Canada. So, you know, our mail, our suitcases, various things would end up in the wrong St. John. Yeah. Yeah. Port St. John, BC. British Columbia. That's right. Probably about as far north as you are in Manitoba, just a little further west. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We're both Northern girls, but I think those Manitoba winters, I don't know if there's anything else like them short of living in the Arctic. We've had some pretty cold winters. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's not really nice to 
Yeah, it's the, sometimes it's just too cold to even start an engine because the oil's too thick. Mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. Been there, done that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's so nice tell to me be. a little bit. Tell me a little bit, if you would, then about your um, your ranching and especially your dogs. I see your gorgeous dogs in a lot of your Instagram posts, and I want to hear about them. Well, that again, we had dogs, Saint Bernard dogs, as kids, and I was just little, and I just loved them because they were giants and they were so gentle. I there's pictures of me when I was just a toddler with our Saint Bernards, and yeah, we. My husband and I bought an acreage up here and I seen one that was going to be given away. So I just, oh, I wanted to have it because up until then we had always rented and had a toy poodle because I, we thought the kids should have a dog. So toy poodle and renting would, would go together pretty good. Mm -hmm. But uh, St. Bernard, we just, I thought, my husband thought Border Coley but anyway, we ended up getting a St. Bernard, the St. Bernard. And yeah, we've been stuck on them ever since. And um, he calls them heartbreak dogs because when they die, we are heartbroken. But yeah, we have one or two or three most often. <laughs> and they are such beautiful creatures. And isn't it funny how the littlest children seem to gravitate toward the largest dogs? Yeah. And it kind of seems to be true that the big dogs are the gentlest, are the most mild-natured. And so maybe that's why. Yeah, they're just, uh, yeah, they're they're just the most gentle giants that you can you can have. I'd like, I, not to say that other dogs aren't, but we are in love with St. Bernard's. Like my, all my kids have them. I gave my mom one. Um, my, my sister has them. We've got, yeah, they're in the family. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And and if our listeners want to see them, just check out your Instagram feed. Um, yeah. There's there's pictures sprinkled throughout of the dogs in, in various parts of your life. So yeah, they're yeah. sweethearts. So, so tell me more about your ranching. Do you raise one sort of animal in particular, or mixed farming, or what does that look like? We raise beef cattle. We have uh, okay. Angus beef, and yeah, um, just just the cattle. And we just we don't have any grain. Um, just hay and raised beef. And my husband works in the books, bush in the wintertime, drives truck. So I'm alone pretty much. He's gone 14, 15 hours a day. So I'm in the wintertime. So I'm here to do chores or not. And there's not that much to do during the week. We do the majority on, on Saturday. Yeah. So yeah, just the beef. So does that work? Like, I'm just curious how that works with your, your business of quilting, your business and hobby. But does that, because it tends to be kind of seasonal when you live in the North Country like that, like your outdoor things just really are kept to a minimum during quite a few months of the year, probably half of the year, right? Yeah. So does, does your quilting tend to be lower in the summer, you know, and higher in the winter too, to kind of match that ebb and flow? Um, I'm gonna say no it's about equal okay like it's i keep at it pretty much because we can get pretty hot here as well high humidity and the temperatures can be pretty hot so it's kind of nice to be in the basement where it's there's air conditioning and it's cool and yeah and my husband like he does the the hang and i move help him move equipment from one field to another whatever go for run for this run for that but I'm pretty much home summertime 
in the house quilting. Yeah. Okay. So tell me a wee bit more then about your, your quilting as a business. You quilt for yourself and quilt for others. Um, I do. And, and most of our listeners know I'm a long arm quilter too. And what really drew me, Dixie, to your photographs is your particular style. Like I think I could pick it out in a crowd because you tend to have, for the most part, a kind of uncomplicated, not too fussy style. And I really, really appreciate that. So many of us long armers get a little too carried away <laughs> sometimes. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what you would call my style. I just love, I don't have any bells or whistles on my machine. It is just, um, there's no stitch regulator. And there's the only thing that it has is a channel lock. So uh, I use rulers and I do uh, marking for reference points and I, I don't know, I, I can't explain what I do, and, but I just love what I do. <laughs> mm -hmm. it's, it's really endlessly fascinating to me how different quilters, probably this is true of hand quilting too, but I live in the machine quilting world these days, but how each of us does develop our own style. It's really, it's as distinctive as handwriting. You know how when you can see six different people's handwriting, they're yes. all different, though we're quote unquote forming the letters the same way. Quilting yes. is much the same. So, but kudos to you for working with um, really a fairly basic machine. Maybe just define for a second what channel locks are, because a lot of long arm machines do not have those. Oh, so I have something that is just a little bit okay or uppity. <laughs> Let's hear it. I, it's uh, channel lock is just a button that you press that it stops the machine from going any direction other than across the quilt. So and it's it, magnetic, right? It, it, it clamps on with a magnet to your rails, either horizontally or vertically, so that no, you can get a perfectly straight line. Just horizontally. Mine does not have oh, vertically. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mine has both. Interesting. I actually yeah. didn't know that they came in just one direction on some machines. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm, my machine is fairly old, I think. Yeah. I bought it. I know it's third hand, but I don't know really anything more than because I was the first one in I believe in Manitoba that had a gamel I think how how long have you been long arm quilting um since 2006 October 2006 I got it okay. and then I got it home and I cried many tears because I thought what did I do I have this machine it's not working how can I make it work I don't know what I'm doing yeah, and so I just fought with it, and I I actually would cry and walk away and come back and fight some more, and I finally got it so that it was um, working properly. And then I've had, like, now there's Gamble Dealer in Cochrane, Alberta, so I've, and there's a, a guy here at um, St. Rose, Manitoba that looks after the maintenance too so if there's something that goes wrong I can take it to him like he's three hours away that's helpful. so that's that is very helpful yeah and of course now compared to 2006 you know 15 years on we certainly have access to many 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 times mm -hmm. more you know the YouTube videos for example or tutorials or even dealer um, type instructional videos 
But I just, I wonder if you have any particular encouragement to offer our listeners who are maybe struggling with the machine that is new to them, not necessarily a long arm machine. You can go through the same struggles with the new sewing machine and somehow you have to get to know that machine a little bit. No? What do you think? Yeah, I believe you do. I, and I'm very careful not to just um, crank on tension knobs and if I move anything, I'm very careful to remember where it was, take a, a marker or something and remember where I've moved it from so that it, if it doesn't fix it, I can move it back to that spot. That's good there, advice, yeah. It's, you just, you can really mess up your machine a whole lot more by doing, start cranking on some knobs that you really don't know what you're doing. So I always like to even take a picture with your phone before you move anything, this is how it was so that you could put it back to what it was mm -hmm. if it didn't fix it. Yep, really solid. And I think it's important, honestly, especially when the machine is new to you, to sew on it enough that you get acquainted with its sounds, like what yes. sounds right, because you can you can hear stitches being formed. You can hear the rocker, you know, that's forming with the bobbin thread. And when it's just off a bit, that can often be your first warning that something is amiss, right? But it there's no shortcut to learning yes. that those sounds. Yeah, and that is that is right to really pay attention to the sounds and even like a, a dull needle. You can hear a dull needle. You can hear mm -hmm. things that it, it, it's it's just off that nobody else would hear because you're the one that runs that machine all the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I actually saw a post by another long arm quilter the other day, and she was recommending that you not have headphones on. Like a lot of us quilters, because our hands are busy, but not our mind, we'll listen to podcasts or music or, or something, which is all very lovely. But especially when you're learning your machine, you shouldn't do that because then you don't hear those little signals, right? You don't get acquainted with your machine in the same way. So I thought that was pretty sound advice too. Yeah, I... It hasn't been too many years um, ago that I've got my, I've had like internet. So I wasn't able to even see videos or anything unless I went somewhere and could use somebody else's computer to see videos. I just relied on pictures in magazines and stuff like that to see anything. So yeah, it has been so nice to be able to see stuff on YouTube or like Instagram, like your videos, they're really educational. Yes. I and see. it's so and good, good point. I didn't even think of that, that you literally would not have had internet access till much more recently, perhaps than some of the rest of us who lived in more populated areas. Yeah, I didn't. It was and, it, and it's been very good. I'm very, I'm very glad that we have the internet now for sure. Once yeah. you have it, you just really don't know how you ever lived without it, quite frankly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and to be doing this. <laughs> yes. Yes, I know. And just being on a podcast like this where we're, you know, our listeners are just hearing us, but you and I are actually on cameras and seeing each other. And it, it really lends itself to getting acquainted via a conversation. Yes. And, yes. you know, 10 years ago, I wouldn't have known how to do that. So, Yeah. Yeah. Okay, there's one more thing I see a bunch of on your Instagram feed that I want to ask you about, and that's bread baking. You are a master bread baker. I just made nine loaves. We ate the tenth loaf in dough gobs today. <laughs> oh my goodness. Now all I need is smell-a-vision. So I, 
there's nothing like that fresh bread. <laughs> yeah, it's out on the counter on the island and it's cooling off actually as we speak. <laughs> so what kind of bread? Like I assume yeast bread, but do you do sourdough or all of the above? I have never done sourdough, no, but I bake and I don't really have a, I don't really have a recipe for bread. I just kind of dump. <laughs> My daughter-in-laws have made up recipes by me dumping and then they collect the flour, the sugar, <laughs> the salt, and then they go by that. But I just tell them, you cannot wreck it. You can't, you can't mess it up. It's okay. <laughs> Well, I think you can, and we're we're venturing way out of crafting, but whatever. But because I love making bread too, and my mom was a baker as well. But yeah. I remember one time trying to show someone how to do it, and their bread kept coming out so dry and almost hard. So they made oh, yeah. a batch kind of while I was watching, and I did see one thing, which was if you knead in the flour too fast and too much, it gets too dry too quickly. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I do think that a key, because you can wreck it, you can make really dense bread that way. A key yeah. is to add little flour with lots of kneading. True. Just only as yes. much as you need, only as much as you N-E-E-D <laughs> to knead it, <laughs> K-N-E-A-D. <laughs> that could get really confusing. Anyway, yeah. so there you go. For all you who want to make bread out there, there's a free little bread making tip for you. There you go. But there's nothing like fresh bread. So you, do you do other bready things too besides loaves? Like are you into cinnamon rolls or pretzels oh, yes. or those sorts of things too? Yeah. Uh, buns of different kinds, different recipes. Um, yeah, cinnamon buns. Cornmeal cinnamon buns are the most moist Ooh, and good. And yeah, they're really good. I've made them for years and I have a hard time. I don't like to make them anymore when the kids aren't home because I like to eat them. <laughs> Yeah, don't we all? Okay, so tell me a little more about that cornmeal in the dough, and what does it do for it? I'm not really 100% sure, but it's very moist. Like you you cook the cornmeal in the, in the milk, and you add the uh, shortening and more water and sugar, salt, and then just the flour. And it is just a very moist, soft dough. I have a theory. My theory is that when you cook it, that cornmeal really soaks up a lot of liquid. My theory is that you have a higher liquid to dry ingredient ratio when you do it that way. Possibly, but the cornmeal is cooked before you actually start mixing the dough. Right, but you're, you're incorporating a ton of liquid, right? Like kind of by weight, a lot of it would be liquid because the cornmeal absorbs that. I, I don't know. I'm theorizing here. <laughs> <laughs> and you could be right. <laughs> yeah, you could be right. Um, another, th I keep saying one more thing, but whatever. That's okay. Another thing I see in your feed is that you collect sewing machines and you recently got a new one. Tell us about that one and maybe any other special ones in your, oh, uh, do you call them a fleet, a, a family, <laughs> a pod, a faction? <laughs> Addiction. Addiction. Yeah, that too. I, yeah, I started collecting sewing machines and I just like pretty ones. Like, and I, I, I've got uh, accumulated four more this month. Oh, so nice. I'm, yeah. And the last one I got and I put on Instagram, it's a beaver. And it's kind of the color. I'm not sure if the if it really shows the color, but it looks like um, a cantaloupe color. And it was made in Montreal, Quebec. 
And I'm not sure of the year of it. I haven't had a chance to really look into it a whole bunch, but it doesn't work. And it's that's okay because it's so pretty. It can just sit there and, and be pretty. But and look pretty. My, yeah. <laughs> my family. I'm a bit like that too. Sometimes I'm like, you know, just sit, just let me sit here and look pretty. I don't want to do anything. <laughs> my nephew has, well, my family, I should say, knew that I've been looking for some pretty machines. So I don't know whatever possessed him, but he looked in my mom and dad's shed and found the sewing machine way up in the in the trusses of a shed on the oh my farm. Goodness. So he pulled it down and he sent me a picture and I said, oh my goodness, I need that. So my mom ended up, my sister went down to Ontario and brought my mom back. She's actually here. And uh, they brought me this machine. So I cleaned it up. And that was the picture that you've seen on Instagram. But the, le- the other two that I got, um, they are brother brother machines mm-hmm. so i got a um brother selectomatic it's called and it's charcoal and pink and i've been looking for a oh, pink one for a it. while and then i did some phoning around to find out if what this machine if it could be have parts for it if it needed it whatever and i ended up finding another pink and purple brother <laughs> So I bought that one too. <laughs> so I, yeah, I've got a few. I've got nine brands now. Well, I hope the one that came from the rafters, I really hope your mom knows some of the story behind that. Cause that would be awesome to keep with it. Some of, you know, where it came from and where it's provenance lies. She has racked her brain, but she said mm. she doesn't know it might have been from my grandmother but she doesn't know for sure but because my grandmother didn't ever have electricity so she didn't know why she would buy it but she thinks somehow that it it is possible that that's where it came from was my grandmother Mm -hmm. oh that would be so great to know that story yeah yeah so I'm 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 really happy with all my pretty machines (laughs) lovely lovely Well, Dixie, it's been really fun swapping stories with you. I wonder if before we go, if you would have a little gem that you'd like to leave with our listeners. It can be about life. It can be about hobbies or quilting or humor, whatever you like. Just a little thought to leave with us today. Um, Well, I guess you could apply this to, to life, to quilting, to sewing, whatever. I just think of people that are starting out quilting and they're, and I post stuff and they say, oh, I wish I could be like you or whatever. But the thing of it is, don't think of where you are. Think of where you want to be and aim for that goal. Like, I want to be there. You can do it. If Take I've done it, you can do it. it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so true. One more thing. Oh, yes. Okay. My my last name is pronounced Tui. Like a two and an E. Got it. And I yeah. will remember that. And no, everybody says it through, but, and it's Norwegian, but I just, when you had said Dixie Tui, <laughs> I just thought I'd correct you now because it is Tui. I'm so glad you did because I will want to say it properly. Yeah. <laughs> that is the beauty about having a last name Smith. Few people mess that one up. <laughs> true. That is true. And my last, my maiden name, nobody messed it up either, but every everybody says 
my name wrong now and they don't spell it right if they don't see it. So yeah, but it's all good. All it good. is all good. Makes for good stories, doesn't it? Yes. Yes. All right. Well, thanks again for joining me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Thanks so much, my friend, for tuning in. If you're tackling something new and challenging, I hope you'll take Dixie's words to heart. Every one of us starts at the same place, the beginning. And think where you could be this time next month or next year if you just start. And listen, if you have friends who you think would enjoy this podcast, would you take a moment and share it with them? They can use their favorite listening app or go to podcast.stitchedbysusan.com to choose one. I'm Susan Smith, and until next time, may your sorrows be patched and your joys be quilted. <laughs>